This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 242. I have a wonderful veteran educator, makes him sound old, he's not, um, and age is awesome anyway. Rod Sofa is joining me on the show today. We're talking children and resilience. I know a lot of parents are out there worrying that their child's not growing up resilient enough or that they get knocked down too easily and don't get back up emotionally, physically, whatever it might be. Uh, And how do we actually bring all the love to the table while helping bring all the building blocks they need to grow up resilient and strong-minded? It's uh, a really great show. We cover so many useful things, everything from... Uh, oh my gosh, my questions were very far ranging, uh, but everything from discipline, boundaries with agency, self-regulation versus self-control, what is that, why do we want to favour one over the other, uh, obviously resilience building in uh, by the truckload we talk about, and um, managing big emotions, this is huge. Uh, we talk about both sports and academics, and we also talk about gratitude. So it's a really exciting show. Uh, Rod and I worked together for um, a few years back to help establish the food program for his and Melissa Brown's incredible Thinkers Inc. Early Learning Centre in Terry Hills here in Sydney. Uh, it really is a unique approach to the early learning years um, that they deliver there. Uh, and uh, I, I think I encourage everyone to connect with Rod's work there. Uh, he is also, he has been a teacher, both of little kids, of big kids. He's been a school principal uh, and he is the principal consultant with Thinkers in Consulting, helping others uh, implement um, early learning education uh, and uh, curiosity and play and all those good things. He's also passionate about uh, gratitude and uh, founded the Gratitude Research Project. Uh, So that is something that promotes uh, wellness and change for over 3,000 Australian children, families and teachers. Uh, So Rod's always doing exciting work in the education space and we're thrilled to have him here to share his wisdom with you. So that show will kick off in a little minute, but I wanted to introduce you to not one, but two amazing show supporters this month on the show to help you make your low tox swaps. Now, the number one is Oz Climate. They are um, joining us for the first time. I've been a long time fan of their work. Uh, For those of you who don't know Oz Climate, they're an Australian based business manufacturing dehumidifiers and uh, air filters of the highest quality, uh, recommended by building biologists everywhere and uh, really, really excellent machines, very durable, always very well rated in independent testing and reviews. And I'm so thrilled to have one of my favourite brands in that space here. Now, a lot of people 
have their number one concern. I'm going to focus on a different little thing each week. Uh, number one concern that I get in my DMs or, um, you know, because a lot of people have followed my mold journey, so they're very conscious of excess indoor humidity, leaking, water damage buildings, etc. Now, for me, a dehumidifier, if you live anywhere humid or if you live in the kind of building that traps moisture and getting a hygrometer will be a really easy way for you to test that. Uh, the best thing you can do is to run a dehumidifier. If you've got an upstairs, downstairs, run it upstairs and downstairs, have two. If you've got a small apartment, maybe you want to focus on the bedrooms during the day, the living space in the evening and then a couple of hours after the showers. And what that'll do is it'll mean all condensation that might pop up in the mornings is mopped up. Uh, and prevents mold from growing on your windowsills. It just generally keeps the humidity level lower than 60%, which is going to inhibit the growth of mold. I'm a huge fan, and I really think most houses need them unless you have a passive house or a house that breathes a lot and you don't live somewhere with humidity. Uh, there are places like that in the world. But uh, yeah, there we go. So I'm focused on their dehumidifiers this week, but they do have great air filters as well, which I will talk about next week. Uh, now you have 5% off, an extra 5% off. They're already a discounted brand in terms of what they offer from their website directly uh, as a Lotox Life listener. So Lotox Life is your code at the checkout. ozclimate.com.au is the website. And we are giving away, you will be so excited about this, a 10-litre desiccant dehumidifier valued at $629 recommended retail price. This is a premium, award-winning, 10 litres per day, small size, big power model. Um, so this is the kind of thing I'm talking about that's perfect for laundries, bathrooms and bedrooms um, to keep that humidity down. Uh, quite lightweight as well, which is really good. A lot of them are big behemoths that um, don't have a lot of power and weigh a ton, so they're really hard to move around. Um, but uh, they can even dry the washing with a dedicated laundry mo mode. So it's an all-in-one dehumidifier and dryer if you need it, uh, which is excellent for apartment living, city living, etc. So all you need to do to enter that is pop a note in the comments to say you would love to win one. I know you would love to win one. And thank you again to Oz Climate for joining us as a sponsor this month. The second sponsor, back again, Block Blue Light. I love working with Daniel and this incredible brand. Uh, Block Blue Light is, in my opinion, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products. Uh, simply because of the wide range that they have and the high quality um, that they maintain in terms of what they produce and what they stock. Uh, there's a lot of people with, you know, gorgeous influencers wearing the glasses, etc. And then you find out they block 20% of the blue light that you're exposed to and uh, you've wasted your cash. Uh, that doesn't happen when you buy the Block Blue Light products. I love their glasses. I love the evening light bulbs, this beautiful amber kind of hue. Um, my son loves the reading light. Uh, what else do we have from the range? And then, of course, the wonderful um, red light panel. So if you're someone who exercises a lot or you're dealing with things like arthritis and inflammation, they can be incredible. I'm going to talk about the products over the month a uh, little bit here and there. But I just wanted to focus on the nighttime glasses today. Uh, the Nightfall Red Lens range blocks all blue and green light 
to align with the academic studies on the exact wavelength that need to be blocked for maximum melatonin production levels. So if you're someone who finds it hard to go to sleep and stay asleep, this really should be one of your first ports of call. Forget the supplements yet. Don't worry about all of that. Do a little meditation and a breathing exercises and wear these glasses in the evening. Try it for a month. Tell me how you feel. Uh, they really, really are great. So um, that's what I wanted to focus on sharing from their range this week. And another giveaway. So you are in for two giveaways this month, which are huge. The Block Blue Light giveaway is the ultimate Block Blue Light pack. You have a nighttime glasses, daytime glasses, Delta sleeping mask, um, which doesn't squish your eyeballs, a no blue block light, uh, a twilight torch, and a light block um, a light blue blocking light bulb. Jesus, that was very tongue twisty. Uh, and that's valued at $390. All you need to do for that one is to follow Block Blue Light underscore official on their Instagram page uh, and like the pic for the giveaway on their Instagram and tag two friends. Easy done. You also have a whopping 15% off all their products for the month with the code LOWTOXLIFE15. How good is that? So a huge thank you to our wonderful supporters for helping our guests, our listeners make Lotox swaps this month. And uh, let's hook into this brilliant show with the wonderful Rod Soper on resilience building in our children. Enjoy, guys. Hello, Rod Soper. How are you? I am very well, Alex Stewart. How are you? I am great. I'm excited about this topic. Uh, I was saying just before we hit record, and I'll say it again, I think a lot of parents struggle between um, in this age of all the self-help books, all the how-to books, the guides. We've got so many different uh, ways or so many public ways that we can be amazing parents. And then there's still instinct and then you get confused. Is your instinct trauma from the way you were growing up as a parent, you know, with your parents? And there's just so much confusion in the parenting space. It's as bad as diets in terms of what the best way to do things is. Um, but today I am going to uh, share with our wonderful audience all of your wisdom because you are great on this topic. So welcome. And the first subject I want to just sort of start us off with, I guess, is just to ask you why a career in education for you as you were growing up, teenager? Was it something that was on your radar? Did it come in early adulthood? Tell us. I think um, for me, education was always about, um, well, I, it just felt very natural for me, right, from when we were younger in youth groups and uh, all those sorts of things and community, whether it was cubs or scouts and all those sorts of things. It was just that idea of helping somebody else um, and coming up with great ideas to help people discover things. And I think it's only now as I, you know, get ebb closer to the big 5-0 that I can look back and go, you know, those those times for me were so pivotal because I had so much joy and they were the, it was, I guess, the, the, the emotion that created the motion around how I found my 
passion piece and that was you know I still look back at that with so much you know so much joy and and thrill and happiness and you know it was such a great time for me to to be able to just connect with people and and it just seemed quite natural that people would then be drawn to me and what about this and how about this and can you help lead this group and we're doing this activity and you know can you be part of that and I just naturally was like yes yes I'll have a go at that and it was always really positive so I think education became um a very became very obvious early that it was important to me being me feeling well having a real sense of accomplishment and you know connecting my passion and drive and all those things and and then I went and did my education degree and became a kindy teacher um did you always want to teach smaller kids you know there was there's something about uh, the short answer is yes. Um, the, the, there's something about their passion and their love for life, which is contagious. Uh, and, you know, I think the best time of my teaching career was when I was teaching five-year-olds during the day. And then I would go and lecture in creative arts at university at night. And I loved the creative arts and I loved, you know, teaching young children. I think that everybody wanted to learn. <laughs> so it was like, you know, great during the day and then, great at night as well so because everybody was just keen about um learning and I think when uh you know I look back here they were five four and five year olds six year olds if you've got something to show them or introduce to them um I now know why they're so passionate um back then it just seemed like a natural fit and it and they growth or the growth of a five-year-old is exponential in comparison to you know like a 15 year old I had a good I had a good time teaching them as well, but it was so, you know, it was so that growth trajectory was very, wasn't steep. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was probably steep, but it had nothing to do with adults. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. All about self. Yes. yes, I'm learning tons with my friends over here. (laughs) I don't need to learn from you. Thanks. I know everything. Nobody cares about (laughs) Wuthering Heights when you're a 15 year old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was actually my favorite book when I was about 15. The torture of love. Mm. Oh, right. <laughs> um, no, okay. exactly, that's exactly what they were putting themselves through. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. And so, you became a school junior school principal at one point in your career. Yeah. And I think that was um, a wonderful, uh, it was a wonderful privilege. Um, and because I'd moved from teaching their the, the family's children and then moved into working with families. Um, collectively as a whole and that was also a time when I decided that um, I also needed to have a bit of a bit of a deeper understanding around how we think and feel as people and I think that was really the beginning of um, a big shift in my professional journey um, when I was doing that um, postgrad psychology stuff because it it helped me to um, understand what I was seeing and experiencing or what I had seen and what I had um, had experienced and had questions around and I think education degree is really not so I mean we you have minors in it around psychology and you look at some child psychology and things like that but that's not the focus of the degree so and the learning so when I did that as a principal um, because I really I had so many families just coming and joining me in my office talking to me more about how do we help our children 
So as a principal, you see more of the kids that actually are struggling to navigate either academics, life, social stuff. It can do. I was blessed to have a, a great community where that wasn't, that wasn't so much my story, but mm. I certainly was the one where they landed. They landed mm. ultimately the buck stopped with me. But I think the, the, the other side to it is you also get to see as a principal, you, you, you see the whole spectrum. And the school that I worked in was a comprehensive school. So it had, you know, learning difficulties right up to the high, high achievers. So it was that full spectrum. And, you know, above, above all things, um, I think what I learned in that time was uh, I wanted the children to know that they were more important than the system. And that flies. I love that. Yeah. And that flies completely in the face of in the industrial method or the traditional <laughs> Flies in the face of the system. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was, um, it was that that I guess really, um, I think sort of opened Pandora's box for me in terms of my thinking to just to sort of see how, how we were getting it wrong in so many ways because, um, you know, the system really does say, well, in order for one adult to communicate effectively to 30 uh, children, then those children must follow a singular plan um, and that plan is most mostly the teacher's plan. Um, or you know a, a prescribed plan, um, and of course a teacher is going to do it in a in a in an age appropriate way, or you would hope they would be. Um, but it's still it's still driven by the system, you know. Mm. Um, I think you know Naplan is is such an interesting phenomenon. You know, you've got you got nine year olds completing a form in exactly the same way as uh, 15, 16 year olds. Uh, the form is identical. The booklets are identical. The content is different. The font size is different. There might be more. It might be more illustrations or images. Yes, um, and sure, the questions that might be age appropriate, but it's the amount of literacy, the amount of uh, way in which they've got to navigate is it, it's exactly the same. And how can you expect? I mean, you and I just pause. Mm. You and I, we look at forms. You know, oh, God. You know, oh my God, this is so <laughs> much. And uh, we're adults, right? You know, yeah. and, and so you're looking at a 15 year old who's going, okay, I'll, I'll just do this slowly. And then you put the same paper, the same system in front of a nine year old and they look at you and their eyes are just, you know, what is this? <laughs> so, you know, that's, it's a, it's a great thing about, well, you know, I get that they're trying to, could get some data and understand it, but it's around a system. And I just, I, I don't know. And there's, you know, there's so many people that say, oh, it's an, it's an amazing result in terms of getting the information about our, our the Australian educational landscape. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, but, you know, my experience, you're asking, you're asking, doing it in the wrong way, you know. Yeah. And is that what we want to be known for? I don't know. I mean, you think if you look at the happiest countries in the world. Mm, there's no standardised testing there. Well, it, 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 there is, but it's not till way, 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 way later. Yes, life. exactly. Not in the younger years. Uh, that's yeah. right. Nothing. Mm. Um, but it's because, and then you get to the standardised testing and everyone's ripping through it like, you know, um, we would all love for mm. us. So, and there's, there's got to be something in there. So, mm, it's, so um, is what you're saying there about learning um, 
and earlier learning is that freedom is a really important part of reaching your potential, a, a more free kind of explorative um, approach? I think that um, it's about allowing the person to come and be valued above the system. I think that's 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 the criteria. So I don't, I mean, the way I describe it is applied learning. So um, it's that idea of, well, you know, if you want to, if, if we're going to be doing a bit of um, literacy and numeracy, um, then let's pull apart a computer or a skateboard or, um, you know, whatever it is that you're passionate about and use that real life knowledge to still be able to learn to write text types and still be able to learn to, you know, do your subtraction with trading or whatever it is, but it's the engineering, it's that applied stuff. It's actually that real life stuff that comes from my curiosities, the stuff that is that, that who I am as a person, you know, um, as adults, we, we, we find that, um, we find that element, you know, and then that, that creates this wonderful inspiration within us and yet we don't we don't really our education system doesn't really allow for that inspiration that natural motivation to come out because it says the system's more important so and you know there's lots of things out there definitely with the education i don't want to sound like a, a sad sack about it but you know there's 21st century you know teaching and learning skills and a lot of places are taking those into consideration because they're understanding that that we first and foremost are people and then we work as people, and what does that mean? Then we can work in and around and create really amazing outcomes. It's so true. Yeah. Work the other way around as effectively. No, it doesn't. And I had Dr. John Demartini back on the show a few months ago. He gave a great example. You will love that story. Uh, and I think everyone should go have a listen of working with a child uh, who had. Uh, learning difficulties. I think from memory it was diagnosed as ADHD. I can't quite remember uh, whether there was a diagnosis, but he basically teased out of the child what their passion was, uh, turned out to be this video game that was about ice hockey, and he then grilled him with a billion questions on, uh, okay, so if you hit the puck at that angle, where does it go? And so what angle do you have to adjust to to get it? And then ask some questions that you could see were literacy-oriented questions versus maths. And by the end, he said, okay, you're going to get up and teach a class on uh, to all these people and everybody has to then sit a test at the end of your 45 minutes teaching them about this game and how to maximise your chances, strategy, yada, yada. And everyone failed the test, including the teacher and the principal. He said, so how do you feel now? You know, this is literally the world he's living in in reverse. And so we need to, and I just love what you said, it all boils down to individual above the system. Absolutely. I mean, and what a great example. You know, the, the very definition of someone with ADHD would say that they could not do what that task was that was given by, mm -hmm. to that boy. And I bet you any money he didn't display any or very little, if any, ADHD you know, recognised tendencies during the time when he was talking about the the ice hockey game. No. And, you know. And Extremely if going, focused. All of a sudden yeah. he became a teacher. Yeah. 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 Mm. I love that. And it just, mm. it just, you know, and I think that's what I, uh, that was the big thing that I learned when I was, um, certainly as a teacher in this, where I was teaching and, and then the, the, when I became the head of the, the junior school was really around that that is, that piece of 
people first, people first, people first. Mm. Um, I then thought, well, why don't I start a school? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'll just have a look into that and <laughs> realised that this primary school was too late. Mm. So um, that's how I got into um, the early years and mm-hmm. that's my research took me and realised that, you know, the first the first five years in a person's life is so transformational. I mean, it, that sounds a little bit, you know, um, you know. Um, Massive. <laughs> yes. But, but I think, it, you know, it just sounds so contrite, I think is the word I was looking like, gotcha. for. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I was like, but it, but it just is it just transformation. The meaning of that is changing the form, and the, and the form of us is changed. Our mind, the form of our minds are changed. The forms of our bodies are changed as a consequence. The forms of our social capacities, our emotional, social learning, that's all all changed, and it and it marks us for the whole of our life through to death. So, and of course, as soon as I worked that out, I thought, right, uh, first 1,825 days is my... Your is focus. Double. Yeah, yeah. And can I just clarify, when you said it's too late <laughs> from five onwards, you don't mean it's like everyone after that is a lost cause if they haven't had that. But you're more saying for you as an educator and in deciding your next step and where you wanted to focus and build a school, you want to catch them early as, uh, as part of your personal purpose. 100% because I think the thing was that my my kidney children were coming to me and they they the the words and phrases that they were using the most this is in the first week of kindy so this is this is what I'm collecting is I can't or I'm never and and that's that's I can't do that I can't do that and so they had that this this learned helplessness and I think that was why for me in my mind it was like the too late was I, I can't have a community of people who I'm working with in an educational setting having that. I want I want them to get to get to school to go, yeah, yeah, no worries. That's a bit tough, right? These are the people who I can connect with. These are some problem-solving strategies I can use. I can self-regulate because um, I'm feeling a little, uh, I am feeling emotionally overwhelmed. Now, obviously, they're not having this you know, internal now. Yes, that's not the exact, you know, but it's about going, oh my gosh, someone has just said they don't like me. Okay, I'm going to go and get a drink of water because I know because the people around me have said, if you're feeling emotion and you get feeling big emotions and I'm moving into the red zone, then I go and have a drink and that helps me to be calm. Now you and I as adults will go, well, the swallowing action actually helps to release the limbic system from its high emotionality. But the five-year-old says, I know that swallowing works and it helps me. And by having a drink, it helps me to be calm. I can feel the difference. And, and they can do that. There is absolutely, you know, I mean, I've, uh, we live and breathe it at Thinkers Inc., my early learning environment. You know, I love every- it. So, yeah. so good. And um, just a funny personal story. Um, my husband uses the swallow technique whenever there's a big emotion. And it, I know when we're watching like a really, um, we, we the good doctor is a show that we absolutely love and um and there'll be like a tense moment or a really sad moment and I'll just see his Adam's apple go and I'll be like you swallowed are you okay great <laughs> like, great right. right. that subtle nuance mm. that you know and you can just tap you know even just you, you know, are you, you okay and he gets he's like yes but it's you know, it's simple things like that that we know 
the science and the importance behind it. But it's a very simple activity. I mean, that's a good one from birth to death. Doesn't matter how old you are, but you know, obviously in the focus of the early years, it's things like that where you know the children can go into school from being with us and we can and and when they're faced with you know the sporting field or in the playground and you know someone does something or says something rather than having this big out of control experience what what are some things i can do and i love that i just love the fact that that our guys have been able to do that we've been been putting this research into practice for about uh six six seven years six gosh months. has it been that long now yes oh. I love Thinkers Inc. I'm giving it a plug. There Thank you go. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, you got, are you going to make more of them? <laughs> more Thinkers Inc. babies? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are always open to options, but I think for us, it is always about finding the right spot to celebrate mm, this type so of thing. important. And I think <clears throat> we've um, had a couple of other options to look at, but, um, you know, uh, Mel, and I, we just, it's, to us, it's about that sense of us both being in agreement and, you know, so, yeah. So it has we, to feel right. And always eyes and ears open. But. Yeah, the Terry Hills campus is just the most beautiful wonderland for a child to spend those early years. It's so lovely. And we love our alumni and mm. they are, um, they're uh, eight and nine now. You know, oh, wow. <laughs> you know. Do they ever come back? Do you have alumni yeah. barbecues and things? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's about, and just staying connected with them, um, you know, at, through, through, through Facebook or just through emails or seeing them around the streets and shopping centres and things like that and just connect. And I love the things that they tell you. I love the pieces of the puzzle that they share with us. You know, I was talking with one of the families the other day um, I was at the post office and turned around. I was like, oh, there's somebody I know. And they're like, hi, Ron. <laughs> and the one thing they said was that um, we had just started researching the influence of gratitude mm. and they were there at that time. And they're now um, seven and eight, they're two sisters, and, and they were with their, their dad. And they said, we still do gratitude together every night. And he said it's such a wonderful way in which for us to connect as, you know, as a family unit. And I just, that's like, that was so good. And both the girls were like, yes, no, it's really, you know, we still really love it. And it's, you know, and I'll just go, well, that's what it's all about. And then when we, you know, once we've researched, we know what the, the science of gratitude does and how it changes us. I'm just like, oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> it, it must feel so good that you see them years later and yeah. uh, they're still using those tools. And I think the fact is that they're not saying I can't or mm. I'm and that you, I mean, it breaks my heart to think that, a, you know, a five-year-old, that's their best response mm. to a tricky situation. And then let's face it, it's a tricky five-year-old situation. It's not a, a tricky, you know. Life situation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so early learning became really important. And I then, you know, my research jumped in, as I jumped into it, you know, I found that, you know, they're at the developing mind prior to five is, you know, it's functioning at a thousand trillion synapses every second. So their ability to learn, to grapple and to, to understand concepts. I mean, it's just phenomenal um, in comparison to what we, we, it becomes as we're teenagers and, and young adults and, uh, and, and dare we say middle-aged people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 350 days <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think it's, you know, we, we, 
we have fundamentally, uh, it's a fundamentally unique time of learning and change. And we underestimate, um, we underestimate how uh, powerful that mind is. Mm. Yeah. So, so powerful. And so um, I'll come back to gratitude a little bit later because I want to talk about uh, uh, resilience quite specifically um, first. Uh, what do you think you've seen have been some of the biggest differences uh, that have made positive impacts on children in the early learning and primary space as parents and carers? Like what, you know, if you said to parents and carers, you were giving a, a seminar and you said, and I want you to focus on these three things. Yeah. Uh, what would they be? I think the first thing that um, I would really want to encourage parents to do is to always share the journey, the complete journey from stress to harmony. Mm. So what do I mean by that? So what children observe um, is a, a stressful situation, either for themselves, let's say for their parents and their family, family unit, they see mum, dad, carer, whoever it is stressed, right? And then they hear the stress, they got the stressful phone call, they've got stressful conversation at, uh, over, um, you know, a meal or, you know, they're lying in bed and listening to the conversation in the lounge room and they are doing that because you just know that they do. Remember what you used to do as a child? Yeah. There's something, there's something, I know it, I don't really know what is that. Anyway, so they, they hear the stress, they feel the stress as, as just as importantly. And then over a period of time, it might be a short period of time or it might be an extended period of time, they then see a resolution. I was stressed and now I'm this. But there's a big gap. There is no knowledge for the, for the growing and learning person um, between stress and solved. And so we have these big emotions in children, but they don't know how to get to the harmony. They don't know how to get to the peace. They know, you know, that they want to get there but they don't have that strategy. And I think one of the big things that we talk a lot with our families um, when they ask about this is tell them how to get there. You know, remind them that big emotions and big feelings are real and are very important to feel and we don't hide them. Um, and we validate them and we recognise them. And then we go, okay, so, you know, here are some strategies on how to solve it or here are some ideas on how to, to move or to investigate or to be curious or whatever it is. And then we have to make some decisions. Do we draw, do we, you know, do we, we pull away? Do we draw closer? To, if we've got to be courageous, what does being courageous look like um, for us as a family? And then this is how we get to the harmony or the peace at the end. And I think in terms of developing that resilience and that well-being in children, this middle piece is so important. I observe it all the time. You know, it's it's stress, 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 then silence, and then I know everything's okay. How did everything become okay? Um, we're very pleased everything's okay, but no strategies in the middle. There's no no understanding of those steps. Um, and I honestly think that you know we have to teach those steps and we have to um I, I love this phrase it's a bit of a technical one but i think it really captures what we're trying to do here for for children and young people it's it's co-construct their knowledge so it's not you taking over it's not saying here do this 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 it's about let's do this together 
if I'm feeling really angry, what are some things that you know we do that can help me to be not angry anymore? If I'm feeling really stressed or I'm really anxious or I'm really fearful, what are some things that you've seen or we've talked about and we can apply? And sometimes you get an instant response. You're like, yes, yeah, system's all working great. And sometimes you go, oh, well, that felt like it was a total failure. But it's a feeling because perhaps we're not observing the change moving at the pace that we would like. But as people, you know, I mean, you know, as, as a mum and as a partner, you, you've got two pair of people you're negotiating with while negotiating with your own stuff. So it's, you know, it, it's not this lovely, straightforward, super highway. It's always about that, you know, and that's where I just think of just stepping it out. And maybe it, you know, one of the things that I've been, I'm working with a family um, who the, their um, little one's got a, an anxiety thing before going to sleep. And I'm like, just get into bed and just step it out with them and just work out what what might be the solutions and be curious above all things and and don't put leading ideas and questions into their head find out what's happening for them and you know oh you saw mum a bit angry or a bit stressed or a bit worried today um yeah okay so what what do you think what's happening you know and then or I saw you feeling a bit stressed worried today what what can we do um, I know you were listening to me having an argument with dad on the phone in the car, or I, was, I, I heard you, you know, we were arguing with, you know, our friend. Um, what should we do with that? What should we, you know, when we have an argument with someone, is it okay to have a different opinion? Well, it actually is. And that's part of your agency being built. But then what we do with it is incredibly important. But it's that safe place, you know, when you, you know, you can sit there and you can, oh, you know, I think the other person was being, wasn't being very nice. I'm like, yeah, well, when we're angry, we often say things aren't nice. How do we, how do you feel about that? And you know what? It's, it's this constant journeying together, this constant co-constructing. If you want a building that is stands tall and firm, then it's, it's bit by bit. It's bolt by bolt. It's not built overnight. Mm. and it's not built by just one boss right. built by everyone mm. yeah and it's okay to go oh my gosh mum, you were really angry or oh my gosh that person was really cranky and you go you know what yeah what and then you know use that discussion time to sort of say why do you think they're angry they're like i don't know mm. so yeah okay don't know mm. yeah. and then maybe use some contextual information to help them to build that sense of um, you know, their social, emotional uh, learning and their emotional intelligence, their empathy. I mean, I mean that's a, that is a huge piece. There's some uh, beautiful research that's coming out now around how um, previously empathy was not, was not meant to be observed or could be observed in children below five, seven, whereas now, I mean, there's research just going, well, that was lightabolic. And yet now it's, it's, this empathy piece is you know, for children to be able to have empathy modeled for them day in, day out, then that's what marks their lives. Mm. They will then be, they, they will be empathetic people. Mm. So, and know. compassionate as well. Yeah. Yep. And courageous then. Mm. Yeah. And of course there's going to be times when people come and bite back and that sort of thing, but then it comes back to that. How, how do we deal with that? So mm. I think that's the person. 
So when you said, uh, when you gave the example about the anxious uh, anxiety around bedtime, um, so often you think you're doing the right thing as a parent with with phrases like, don't worry, sweetheart, or, um, oh, there's no need to be worried at bedtime. We're here. You're safe. You'll be right. Um, and you're saying questions and curiosity is far more important than making, um, like, let's try and just move on from this. Yeah. Like, let's hope that this is not happening and actually ignore the anxiety and try and move to a better place. Yeah. Look, absolutely, 100%. I think if we if we think of ourselves as adults, you know, if you come to me and you say, Rod, I'm really frustrated with, you know, you know, with my son and, you know, oh, you know really pushing my buttons. Yeah. And if I said to you, oh, you'll be right, Alex, don't worry about it. I'm like, listen here, buddy, <laughs> I am worried about it. I've got to talk about it. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, do I have to pay for therapy to get someone to listen? So, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's, it seems and it might feel like it's a good thing to say, it, whether it's our own journey or what's been said to us. But in all honesty, I think one of the things that we know as adults and we know it's the same for humans from birth to death is that sense of validating the, the experience. Now, we have to agree that, you know, if someone's got some anxiety around bed and we know that they're going to be safe, that's, that's awesome. But that's mm. not the lived experience. Mm. So to be able to say, don't you don't need to worry, it might be something down the track that you you can get to, but I think it's this curious thing around what's making you worried um, and why would, and sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they can't go, well, as a matter of fact, I'm so pleased you asked because here's something. <laughs> here's my list. That's yeah. right. And it's, you know, because I, I know I don't often have that when I'm in the middle of a big emotion, the last thing I can do is give you a list of, um, you know, how <laughs> so I'm, true. And, and why would we expect a five-year-old to then be able to do that? Or, you know, a seven or even a 12-year-old, you know, if that's, if that's something really, um, that's something very real for them. So I think it's, I think it's about validating their feeling. It's about saying you have a right to feel your feelings uh, and I think that's really important. And just acknowledging that and sitting with that acknowledgement, you still might be in your head going, you'll be fine, stop it at once, you know, you're carrying on, this sort of stuff. But it's, it's, it, it's their journey. It's their journey that is going to take them through to not being anxious. That's really the, the key to it. So I think then it's about letting um, uh, and then just being curious without any judgment. What, what do you think? Uh, where is this, using their words, where is this worry, where is this anxiousness, where is this um, fear, again, using their words. Because if you start putting words in their, in their mouths, then they'll start to use those words. So I would say to parents, just be very cautious about which words you want. Because, um, you know, I had a little girl, for instance, um, who would come to me, she was three and a half, and she'd come and she, she'd go, oh, Rod, I'm just so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, really? What are you stressed about? She didn't know. But I tell you what, uh, there was one person in her life who said that maybe four or five times in every conversation we had. It was her mum. So she, she knew how to use the words and they were contextually correct, but it didn't have any meaning to her beyond that. But when a little one says that to me, I'm like, my 
warning bells go off and go, right, okay, I've got to really be curious and investigate. And you know what? She would then say something like, um, you know, more often than not, she'd say, oh, I don't know what to do next or I don't know what to play next. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let, you know, um, here are some suggestions. Any of them tickle your fancy? No, then let's go for a walk. Let's see if something catches your eye. And then sure enough, boom, someone says, oh, come on over here. And she's gone, you know. But it's, it's um, our language is incredibly important. So I just think be curious and let and keep being curious. And, oh, you mentioned this and what does that mean? And what does that mean to you? And, and all those sorts of things. And I think eventually a bit like, your the doctor friend of yours in terms of the ADHD and um and the ice hockey um example you'll get some deep information particularly if you're that trusted person and eventually you get it and it might not happen overnight and, and often it doesn't um but then you can start to set up some strategies around how can you help that what what needs to happen for you to feel like it's not um I'm not anxious. You, you're not anxious anymore, or you're not worried, or you know those sorts of things. So, and yeah, it, it can sometimes feel very frustrating. And you go, "Oh my gosh, this is, feels like it's just forever." And then you need to reach out. Um, there's a wonderful program called Cool Kids through Macquarie University, for example. Um, it's a it's a course that parents can go um, and do with their children on anxiety, um, and it's 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 uh, it's free, um, and it's and it's free because you're the, the stuff that you do together forms part of their research. It's a little bit of a thank you, but it's a, it's a brilliant program. Absolutely smashing. Cool so kids. Like, we'll pop it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got any, any, if there's any listeners who do have that, then jump on and, and, and use that because it's wonderful. And then there's, there's obviously a whole bunch of other wonderful ones, but this curiosity notion is, it's, is so powerful and it's about, don't go in there with preconceived ideas or suggestions mm. because they know they've got, they've got stuff to say. So what if they then, I'm just going to devil's advocate this situation and just try and cover, I'm, I'm like literally have 20,000 parents in my head and I'm just like, what would they ask me as a follow-up here that I could ask Rod right now? So what if your kid says, what's really going to help me at bedtime is if I can just have some chocolate cake every night um, and uh, stay in my clothes and not have a shower or, you know, what, it, because they're also testing power and things in these early years. Like how do we then know what is um, appropriate for them to share for their uh, um, their situation? I like I, think, I just think it'd be interesting to ask you that because I'm yeah. sure that would come up out well, there. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Every it, it comes back to that first point that that we're all so unique, you know. And I think um, every family has to negotiate their own journey. But in saying that, one of the things that we we know about what the sense of agency does. So when I feel empowered about the choices that I can make, choices that influence my future, and my sense of agency is strong, then I am going to be feeling good about myself. So I think that's that's a really that's a really key thing. Now, when it comes to the to the young person who says need chocolate, don't want to have a shower, I think then it it's that it, it is genuinely I'm not sure that in that power moment is the time to me to be trying to negotiate. Because if you're if I'm really stressed and really passionate about a topic, that's really a, not a great time for you to try and get me to change my mind. 
you know, I, it's, I've, I've missed the point, you know, I've missed that change point. Um, so it's nearly like it's that conversation before that, those high emotions or those high stakes, all the power play kicks in. Um, and I think it's that's where those boundaries can come in and the boundaries with a sense of agency, so negotiated boundaries. Now, I think sometimes we, um, you know, we have, to, we, we have to sit down and we have to have those conversations with them, but we sometimes choose not to because we think, oh, my rules are more important or you're not old enough to understand or you won't make the good choices. But I can guarantee you with all my years of experience, if I win um, and all the children I've worked with um, in the various age rates, if I put the scenario that they want out there and I make it really clear what are the consequences of their choices, and it's not a, it's not a power play at this point, it's just this conversation, we just sit there in it. And then I say, okay, so, so what's good? And they might say, I don't care. But that very notion tells you that they do care. What that tells you is it's still back to the power play. So it's like, okay, so what needs to happen for you um, for us to, to start talking about this? And, you know, if it, if it gets to a point where there can be no movement, that's absolutely where, for me, I would always recommend referral uh, to be able to go to people who really have such... That, you know, they have invested their entire lives in trying to understand children and young people's mindsets in order to help in those those really big those really big things. So you know that it's and it's not about going oh no I've got to keep trying. I'm like yeah you've got to keep trying, but make sure you're trying to do the right. You're trying with the right things. So and going and seeking help, going and seeking you know some help with a child psychologist or you know oh, zero. In actual fact, there's pride yourself as a parent because you're understanding the incredible importance of your child's life and that you know we don't always have all the answers we have all the love but potentially but part of that has to be you've got to reach out you know when you're sick you go to the doctor you know and and when you find that you're 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 stuck in 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 a place of just absolute discombobulation like there i just can't say i've tried all these things and nothing's happening then then it just tells you that you're at the end of what your experience is availing and affording you at the time. So where else can you go to find more stuff? Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it, you, you will, by finding the right people and reaching out to people in your community and staying connected, your social emotional um, support network are going to come and whoop around you. You're going to be okay. And while you're going to be okay, then you're going to be able to support your child or your young person to be okay when it gets to that point. Because we're talking, we're talking brick walls here, and many, you know, many families find themselves there. Absolutely, and I just like I'll come with you. I'll sit in the waiting room if that's what it has to happen um, to support you. But I, I definitely do it. But for those people where that it's not a brick wall, just a closed door you know, then it's these are the sorts of things that you can really use and maximise on and talk about what are the options, what are the consequences. Um, you know, the children I work with, they love, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll discipline themselves way worse than I ever will, you know. Um, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'll say, oh, I, I can never play with that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a little bit over the top, but how about 
you know, just once. Just, just, you know, <laughs> how about we go and say sorry to our, our friends or, you know, we, we, you know, let's talk about some other options first. Um, yeah. Mm, love um, it. So helpful. Um, so a lot of us are worried about mental health these days. Uh, you see, especially um, in the media, we see some horrifying stories where you just hope and pray that you're not going to be the parent that has to find out that your child has experienced horrific bullying or that they've ended their life. Um, and, you know, I think when you're a parent of young kids and you see that kind of news story, then it's almost like there's even more pressure to, to not um, have those results and, 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 um, and, and I've just had so many conversations with parents who feel really raw about mental health and resilience um, because you're never quite sure whether you are doing everything you can to help them be healthily, mentally tough as they grow up and, um, and still loving and, uh, you know, not a hard ass either <laughs> um, that doesn't let emotion in. So what can we miss if we're too focused on resilience and toughness and can do and I've got this and I've always got life um, and not enough on a more holistic well-being. You know, I think the, the, the journey of getting there is one thing that we miss because we're focused so much on the product. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to be hard. But how do you become hard, you know, or how do you end up with a, a, an always have a can-do attitude? I mean, that's, that sounds amazing. You want that for your children without a doubt, but <laughs> have you got it? <laughs> I like to say I have it sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it is this journey piece that I think it, that's what helps us have that that mental toughness. And uh, one of the things that mentioned before is that, you know, that just that validating your emotions and that it's okay to have those big emotions. You know, you sometimes hear people go, oh, you've just got to be tougher. And you're like, yes, that, that's not wrong. But what are the steps, what are the preceding steps that enable me to be tougher? How do I be more courageous? How do I be braver? And that's where parent, the parenting piece around that co-construction knowledge is so important, where we do this building together. I'm not doing it to you. I'm doing it with you because with you makes you sure that your sense of agency and your understanding around the choices for your future are going to make a difference. You know, when when we learn together, we can be fantastic. But when we learn and it's put on us, it can often lead to either in, in one ear or out the other, but it also even a little bit of like, oh, whatever, you know, um, I'm getting told that again. Well, I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to get there. I've never, I've never seen it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the journey might look like. You know, no one's ever given me an example of what it looks like in terms of process, all I know is I've just got to do it. Mm, got it. Huge expectation. And when you've got like a, you know, a classic one is always on the sporting field, you know, come on, you've got to just keep going. And you're like, but what happens if you're exhausted? <laughs> but it's then it's that conversation around the fact that what's, what's, what's being on a team mean? And that sometimes being on a team means when you acknowledge the fact that you are exhausted, you look around and you look at your teammates and you go, you know what? I, I love them and what we're doing. I will just find that last bout of energy 
And that's that piece of agency because I'm choosing to do it because that's what it'll mean when people come up to you afterwards and say, oh, you just gave it all, you just did it. And, and you're like, yeah, I absolutely do. But it's that talking that through, it's, the, it's about appreciating the journey and that, that makes all the difference, you know. Um, it's the same with, um, you know, if you want, you know, a, a tough child or young person, then how are you been, how have you been modelling perseverance and persistence? Mm. <laughs> I've moved five times this year, Rod. I'm modelling it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> And Sam is co-creating on that journey. So actually I feel like this has been one of the most, uh, obviously on paper, it looks like a completely harrowing experience, but as a family, it's been an incredible resilience building experience for our 11 year old. And I, and I wonder, and I'm going to be a little bit, bit risky here, but I I feel like I know to to know this, but you shared the journey with him. Mm -hmm. Did. So he knows it's not hidden. It's not we're moving again, by the way, next week you'll have a new room. Mm. What? When did that happen? Do you know it's not that? No, we have it's... family meetings. Exactly. We talk and about it. That's yeah. right. And you know what? If you're the sort of people that go, oh, family meetings, oh, yuck, I wouldn't do that, then don't call them that. Call them sit around the dinner table or sitting in on the couch under a blanket together, <laughs> you know, because language is important, you know. You don't want the person to who doesn't that doesn't resonate with them. Oh, that's not me. Or that's what I had when I was growing up. Well, then call it something else and get in, build a cubby, and have your conversation on the floor under the bed, you know, with the the, the blanket, and you've got fairy lights on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't lose the power of what that that experience is about, and it's about you know you're demonstrating to Seb that. We, when, when we're faced with a problem, we don't give up. Um, when we're faced with a problem, we keep looking. And that's what not giving up means. So you're giving him an example of I'm not giving up. We, we keep talking about it. We try something that didn't work. So we try it again. Okay, we're feeling a little bit stuck. So let's call a friend because they're going to help lift our spirits and we're going to connect with them. Now that because of that, we're ready to jump back in and to have another, um, you know, look online or go to another open house or, you know, um, whatever it is. But you, you're demonstrating and collectively you're building that bit of that mental toughness, which I would, I'm going to then hazard a guess and say, you probably won't need to say toughen up because it's there, you know. So, but when, you know, you're focusing on product, you know, so, you know, be, be a better at this. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know how to be better at that. You know, you, you, you know you've got to be, you've got to go have that, got to have more resilience. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then how do I build resilience? Hey, no, first, what is resilience? How do I then get it? Um, who's going to help me because I don't know anything about it? You know, so they're all those pieces of the puzzle. And that's that co-construction of knowledge. You know, it's that that time when and and parents, um, you know, they often say to me, Oh yeah, but Rod, how do we do that? And I'm like, ha, just the thing. So one of the things that I know you follow is and the reason I started it was this Facebook page called Wellbeing Ideas for Children. Ah, oh, it's so good, Rod. The things you share there are gold. We'll put a link to that as well. Yeah, and I think thank you. And I think that's the are uh, the only idea for that page is just 
so that if you're like, oh my gosh, what should I do? Just go to that Facebook page and you can scroll through and there's just idea after idea after idea for you to try, to try again and then have another go and then try and then go, you know what, that didn't work. I need another idea. Come on, let's go back there. And it's just one place where that can happen. Um, and I try to just find as much variance around well-being, the concept of well-being about, you know, agency and self-regulation and empathy and gratitude and persistence and, you know, all those sorts of things and how to have, you know, truly strong social emotional experiences and emotional intelligence and all those sorts of things. Mm, huge. Um, and I would definitely recommend anyone jump on there. I think it like literally just helps you build your vocab on how to approach situations with your kids. Yeah. yeah and so. remembering things like, you know, if, you've, if you travel, doesn't matter what you travel on, okay, whether it's a car, a bus or a train, um, use those times for talking. Use those times rather than, and not everyone, you know, you're going to have, you'll be, you, yourself will be feeling like just get on that telephone and play that game because I just need some peace of quiet. So then do that because that's part of your well-being. But then also other times connect with them and talk with them and talk with them about those boundaries and the struggles and, and what they've observed and the things that people have said and why they might have said it and what, what is our response to it and as a family or as, a, as an individual. Um, and I think then they're the things, they're the experiences that build the well-being, which release the resilience. Mm, got it. Okay. And so can you give us a couple of examples of how we can build resilience, like maybe in the zero to seven age group and then the more, um, you know, as we head towards the teen years? Yes, I can. I have thought about this. <laughs> I thought you might have thought about it. That's <laughs> one of the questions. <laughs> I think it's they but they they really build on each other so mm. I think it's great to start with the, you know the the younger ones I think first of all we've got to recognize that meltdowns tantrums big emotions are real mm-hmm. okay and don't try and um push them away or diminish them because that often more often than not only accelerates them and makes them more um problematic for you so I think first of all just draw in draw in get a hug just be calm, start breathing deeply in their ear if you're that close, you know, give them a drink, help them to swallow, all that sort of stuff. And I think that's really important around that self-regulation piece. Um, it's, it's a really important thing because self-regulation is different to self-control. So it's good to, to be able to just recognise the difference. So self-regulation is being able to say, I have got big emotions. What am I going to do with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. self-control is self-control is about inhibiting the strong impulses okay whereas self-regulation is reducing the frequency and the in- intensity of those strong strong impulses by managing our stress mm-hmm. so the the self-control is saying um i want to i don't want to punch you in the face because i'm angry mm. right? and, I, and i won't I will control myself. Yes. Yes. Whereas self-regulation says I am not getting that hot. So I'm able to control my anger so that I don't even need to get that far. And I'm going to be able to just keep that calm. Mm. And I'm, and I'm not, and therefore I'm going to keep, and and I'm that, that regulation then means I'm getting angry less and less and less. And that intensity is less and less and less. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're wanting to cultivate self-regulation. 100%. To avoid having to jump into self-control territory too much. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, and that's where, why I think um, when it comes to meltdowns, self-control is gone, you know, um, and we, we then have to then say, how do we help with that? And the big things around, certainly the research that, that I've um, dived into, it's about don't push them away by stuff it at once or you need to calm down or go to your room and then I'll talk to you or go and sit over there or just don't, I can't look at you right now. What they need is come close and let me hug you that 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 lovely warm tightness of that safe person when i'm having my big emotion that person is there for me and that's actually what research calls being a safe haven so when i'm out of control i need you to come close not to draw not to withdraw so i think that's a really big thing for the for you know zero to to um to five or zero to seven so age group and then once that big emotion is settled then you can look at the corrective action and it doesn't mean that your discipline does it is diminished you still might go right well you you know this is what's going to happen but you do it in a safe you do it in a safe place and without that big emotion which means they're probably going to be listening they might not like what you have to say but they're probably going to be listening whereas when you when you're angry, I don't know about you, but if I'm angry, it's very hard to listen to somebody's rationale. I, what I just need them to say is, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And maybe if I'm if I'm being vulnerable enough. And mm. young children always are, you know, especially so, with their, their primary caregivers. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about um, in the early years, like let's just say it's a situation where uh Actually, and it'd be good to take this example across to the slightly older kid as well. Um, it's a sporting thing or a dance rehearsal recital or a, like they're over there and having the meltdown, but you're not able to just run on the field and give them a big hug and be close. Um, so that's where the pre-work has come into it. Got it. So, and I think it's, it's about that time where, you know, you're driving home from the event, for example, or coming home from the event and you that's when you go, wow, it looked like that was really hard out there, validating it. Yes, it was. I felt this is what happened and you might go, oh, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. But, you know, um, it's all that sort of stuff. So you, it, it, that's not the point. From their perspective, that is what's happened. Um, and you can, you can do the corrective action later. But right now, in this moment, that's not what's that's not what it's about. Right now, in this moment, it's about saying, "Yeah, that would have felt like that would really sucked. That would be really hard. That would have been no wonder you were angry. No wonder you were, you know, you fell on the ground and you were just, you know, um, overwhelmed or you know the words that that match with the, your your home language and things like that. So, um, and then once that's there. Um, most children, um, most people, um, uh, what they do is then they draw close because that validation says, oh, that's right, you're my safe haven. Mm. And, and you're that- loved in that moment, even acting like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because you know what? It's, it's still, it, we've got, we've got to help them to realise is that as we go through the, down the track, that that wasn't the best response. 
um, and and they are more than capable of doing that, absolutely more than capable of doing that. So I don't think um, we believe they are, um, and sometimes it's in it's it's inconsistent. But that just reminds us of our consist the importance of our consistency doing it. And um, it's lovely then to be able to see. Um, and as you talk and consistently talk about these sorts of things and you validate and then talk and learn and grow and what can we do and what's a strategy when we're feeling stressed or we're feeling overwhelmed or it's just too much, what can we do? And, um, you know, it's through that process, change happens. Um, but you've also got to remember, Alex, that how many people do we see as adults and on social media? It's all over the place. <laughs> can't yeah. self-regulate, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Not only do they have self forget, they haven't got any self control. Self control, exactly. You know, and say. so you know, mm-hmm. it's that they they lose the plot over something that seems, you know, we're like, what is that about? But it's more often than not, it's about their sense of agency being torn away. And now, I'm going to then to start my 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 self regulation's gone, which has left myself control to be in charge. And that hasn't been worked on. Therefore, I'm going to demonstrate with huge emotions Mm. and depending whatever's in my hand. Yeah. And so as they get older then towards the um, preteen, is the number one thing still to acknowledge how tough that looked out there or how tricky the situation must feel for them? And that is the same until we die. Right. Okay. It's human. It's a human. Thing. Good lesson for the adults. A recap there. Yep. <laughs> I like it. If you want a great relationship, if you're you're in opposition to your partner um, or your bestie, then validate their feelings first. They may or may not validate yours, but because they're like still going, what's going on? <laughs> um, there's a change, but it happens. So, and then I think the next thing that is really important in terms of is talking about effort over ability because effort is an ongoing growing you know it's not that finished product so it's like what i was saying when you were saying you know, are you going to be tough like it's a product how do i get there whereas now let's talk about the effort that's applied to toughness or to you know courage or those sorts of things and then that's that then means i can be i can have um toughness and and being brave and courageous in any situation um, not just, you know, um, the one on the sporting field when someone's shouting at me, Gun! you know, or whatever the, the, the situation is. So it's that effort over ability and young children particularly will, they know the difference. They will they'll say, I can, you've talked so much about the fact that I did that puzzle well, for example, that I won't try that puzzle with 10 extra pieces because there's no guarantee I'll get there. Right, so don't congratulate them on the win. No, congratulate them on the effort. I love the fact that you did not give up and and you got to the end and got the gold. Mm. I love that. I mean, you you know, it's still amazing that they got it, still celebrate it. And so if they tried the puzzle or they entered the next division of sports that are clearly one harder than what they had been doing up until that point, and they can't do the puzzle or they uh, lose the match, you know, seven tries to none or whatever, Um, what is the language for celebrating the effort there? If it was, uh, I'd be saying something like, 
what was that like out there? Again, validating what they're going to tell me, not what I assumed. Oh, that was so hard. It was the toughest game I've ever played. Man, that's that was, you know, the thing I loved about that the most is that you didn't give up once. I did not see you, even though you were faced with that, you know, those players around you and that experience, you didn't give up once. Moved to the puzzle piece. It's like, and they come and they said, Oh, I can't do this. And often say things like, Well, if you're a bit stuck, what's something that can help you get unstuck? And they go, oh, well, can you come and help? I, I love the fact that you thought about coming in asking me to help you. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, it's just the fact that I turn one puzzle piece around the right direction. I haven't picked anything up at this point. And all of a sudden it works. And like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, and then they're uh-huh. practically pushing you away. That's right. So that they <laughs> yeah. yeah, because yeah. we want to succeed, right? So, <laughs> and I think the big thing about persistence is that when we know that our effort, our applied effort is the most valuable thing, then I, that's, that, I can do that in any situation. That's, that's a portable knowledge, I call it. And it means that whether I'm um, at home or I'm at school, or I'm on the sporting field or I'm at my grandparents' place, or I'm at a friend's place, um, I'm at the shops, you know, I've got all these sorts of things. You know, I know how to get myself unstuck. Um, and um, and it, it's that step-by-step consistent doing it and for parents you know the big thing I said to them is be explicit don't keep these things hidden oh gosh this isn't working right what but what should I do oh ask child you know what what could help you know solve this problem oh yeah I mean it's it's a it always makes me smile when you when you put up something that said does where he solved a problem and I always think to myself you know imagine what the conversation was no I think the the most recent one was he you you he was beside your bed really in the morning he was making something mom I didn't have this so I used it and you're like okay I'm pretty sure that's good but it's only like five o'clock in the morning (laughs) okay yep awesome keep going carry on but it's a that's a great example of him showing where you know again that the effort well that doesn't work well what else have I learned you know I'm and anybody who knows you you say if you haven't got that give that a go if that doesn't work try this all your recipes are the same thing if you if that doesn't work for you if you've got that allergy if that doesn't work, here are some solutions I mean it's a perfect example of effort over over the product um so, and I think then that moving into teenagers, that's so important because that helps them to maintain their sense of agency and identity because that's, you know, such an identity forming time. So rather than the identity that forms is I can't, the identity that's forming is yes, I can. And I know who around me can help me do what I want to do. Mm, so good. So discipline, tricky subject. Uh, and I so I've worked with obviously a lot of families over the years in the fussy eating space and in establishing a really good food foundation in families uh, where you just eat what your parents cook you, Um, old school. Uh, But that somehow derailed in the 20th century and into the 21st. And I think part of that is because we became double um, double parent working families or single fa- parent families, uh, much proliferated both both styles, and therefore there's less time in the day for just hanging out, chilling out, stuffing up, and doing better. Uh, and almost, you know, and I've had corporate parents admit this to me in my workshops, 
where they say, I just want peace in the evenings. I don't want to have to discipline and teach my child how to eat and um, tell them there's not going to be, uh, you know, tell them that they can't have the toast if they're not going to eat the casserole. Um, I just want peace. So I just make them the toast. And, and I think discipline is trickier now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because there's literally less time to do it and you want more peace in this precious time you have with your kids, but this could t- potentially also be backfiring. Talk to us, Rod, what's happening out there? That's what I've observed in eating and food, and I just wondered whether it was broader than that subject. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think it's discipline is is always going to be tough. There's just there's just no two ways around it. And I think that there's going to be days when you feel like you're a champion parent, and there's days when you know feel like I'm total failure at this, and this is just you know. And then there's days also that you go, I'm checking out as well. But that I think first and foremost comes back to you being you as a person because before you're a parent, you're a person, you're a human. And I think that's so important. And I think that's where our our own personal resilience and well-being um, is incredibly an important piece of the puzzle. Um, it, it, we can't ever forget that. And we do ourselves and then consequently our families disservices because we... There's nothing left in the cup. That's right. That's exactly mm. right. And um, I think, you know, gratitude is certainly one of those very easy things that can help serve that. Um, it's a very simple thing, but it's scientifically, you know, being researched and, you know, medically, you know, and peer reviewed and medically proven. And, you know, it's, it's unbelievable the impact that it has. But to the point that you're, you're asking, I think it, it's it, it's going to be, it's always going to be ever-changing moving because of how us, we're never static. You know, like you said, you know, some days you come home from a busy, busy day in the corporate world and you've got, still got the energy to negotiate a meal conversation. And yet there'll be other days when you've been negotiating all days and you go, like, <laughs> you're like, nah. <laughs> There's no more negotiation left no. in. I got nothing left. And I... And I think that there are days when, you know, if we we apply that principle to us, not as parents, just as people, you know, there's t- days when you come home and you're being flat out and you and you your mind's buzzing and you go, man, it's been amazing, but I'm going to cook myself some dinner. And then there's days when you come home and you've been just as flat out, but because of how you're sitting emotionally, you say Uber Eats. You know, you say takeout, you, you know, because I think that's what it is. And I think just because you... There's days when you do, you know, give in if you like um, or make that choice and make that choice. It's, I don't think it's a judgment stuff. But what we do know about human behaviour is that boundaries are outstanding in managing people's behaviour. But it's not boundaries that are put on us. It's like what we said before. It's boundaries with a sense of agency. So it's that time when families use um, conversations strategically with their children and even super young children will get this um, around what are the consequences be positive and being negative you know and I think if you're a for instance using your, your food example you know when you know that you've got a cupboard full of super healthy delicious yummy goodies that they're busting their guts for 
think about what's in them and go, you know what, if they ate five of those versus tonight is really the, the end of the world. Well, on the knowledge that your cupboard is full of that goodness, okay, so you can, but it's then about that boundary to say, you know what, this is what we're choosing to do tonight. This is what we're, we're going to make a decision. Let's make it a little bit special. We're going to sit on the floor and we're going to eat it. You know, we're going to have a picnic so that it highlights the fact that it isn't an everyday normal. It's not going to be the norm. You know, I mean, these are just some examples. But if your cupboard's full of um, white bread and chips and, and, and lollies, then, of course, you're then not only going to have that notion of it's not good for that amount of dodgy food to be going in my child. I'm now going to have an, an emotional experience because of that sugar high. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have a double motion experience with the sugar low, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's those sorts of things. So I, I guess when I come back to the point is around boundaries, I think it's boundaries with agency. So, we don't necessarily always love the boundaries, e.g. the lockdown that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we all know the benefit. And while we understand that, we maintain our sense of agency, even though those boundaries are main, are keeping us at home or keeping us from travelling or, or whatever. So we might not like it, but we haven't lost our sense of agency. Mm. We can. Um, it's, it's, I posted this the other day on Insta. Um, we don't always get to choose the situation we find ourselves in, but we do get to choose how we react. 100%. And it's, that's the reaction piece is that agency piece. Um, you know, it's, and then, and you know, what will you be, you, some people are like, yeah, but I had to cancel my holiday and I'm, I'm hearing you. I am with you <laughs> and I was, am I, I'm oh, angry about that. so many good plans. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm angry about that. And is it okay to be angry? Yes, it absolutely is. And then when you realise that and then you feel the frustration, then you go, right. But do I want to get sick or do I want my loved ones to get sick? And do I want this to become so problematic? No. So my agency is maintained and I then live within the boundaries. Um, What we're talking about when it comes to children is often it's that learning, it's the pushing of the boundaries, it's that experience and it's human development. We still push the boundaries. There are still people who get in their cars and drive to, you know, the middle of... um, New South Wales, because they don't want to be in Greater Sydney. Do you know what I mean? And then there's consequences for that if they're, if there's a, you know, they're unwell. But I think, you know, we've got to understand that a growing person is always going to be stretching and, and we, it's just part of growth. And we got, I think that's where we have to look after our well-being first and acknowledge that and then be able to go, right, what am I going to choose to do in terms of this, will this will this fight win me a war? Mm. And, and, can, think- and can you create agency for them in that situation, right? Like, again, back to the fussy eating, I say we will be eating a green vegetable, this meal, but you get to choose what that is. What, what will you choose? And so, therefore, there is movement within the boundary. Yep. And I think the other really interesting thing, and this is something that I learned from you, um, is that, there isn't one way to eat a green vegetable. Mm. But for me, if I'm prepared, I've got multiple ways of getting that green vegetable into you. Mm. <laughs> right. So but watch I'm, me. That's right. <laughs> I but, you know, I, I just think it's, you know, um, it's just such a classic. It, still to this day, you know, that 
that um what was that 12 veggie bolognese sauce and I know mm. it's but we we make that um at the preschool and you know we'll serve it up with some veggie sticks and the children will go oh no i'm not gonna eat those veggie sticks i'm like oh how's the bolognese i love the bolognese it's so delicious <laughs> And I'm like, you know, your, you, your wellness is going to be there, but because of my thoughtfulness and my preparedness, when I'm well, I'm ready to act appropriately. But it's that, again, it's that reactive stuff. Now, is it going to happen? Yes, it is going to happen because it's life and that's why we, but the more wellness we fill up our cup with, it means that when we get home from that massive corporate day and we're looking at that person who's defiant against us and says, no, you can you can say okay well what what's my context right now my context is i've been prepared okay well you don't want to eat that no problems or how about we just have spaghetti mm. <laughs> that sauce <laughs> that, with 12 vegetables that's exactly right it's so delicious <laughs> <laughs> but it's but you know i mean it they're fun funny examples but i think the principle that underlines them is is the truth and uh, we know it works um but it's tiring being a parent it's hard work and it's relentless it's not it's not i can't come home and and turn it off and we've got to just also just understand that and own that and go yeah it's okay yeah i agree i had a psychologist amanda gordon on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago again, and she's fabulous. And um, we were talking about parenting and self-care and she said, you, you do actually have to remember though that you signed up for something incredibly tough. <laughs> so you know, there is an element of everyday acceptance of the, 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 the job that you have signed up for. Absolutely. And uh, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a full-time 24-hour, 360 five days you know it just it never ends and I guess um I hope that you know the conversation today really is just helping families to go you know if we if we sh- if we share the journey explicitly and we're strategic in our approach we might not find ourselves left um stranded uh yeah and that's really what one of the, my favorite things I've taken from you today Rod um to just keep putting in the front of my mind as a parent uh, and uh, as someone who helps parents with various uh, challenges raising kids themselves is to remember to fill in the gaps from how you got from stressed to how you're now resolved Um, and uh, so that they actually learn the middle steps instead of like oh she was stressed yesterday she's all good now so I guess we're all good oh I wonder how that happened and of course they don't learn so good that's really honestly very powerful and self-regulation it helps with their sense of agency and that that you know you becoming that safe haven in that trusted person is just so important I mean most of the time most of the time parents are anyway right um uh, unless the situation is incredibly complex but it's it's just it's just another building that openness and that communication and you know I just love it Mm, special and so gratitude you've mentioned it a few times now can you share with us uh obviously you know and I've had a few guests over the years explain the importance of gratitude from a scientific perspective so I don't think we need to recap there but what does a family gratitude practice looks like look like that we can uh 
literally implement from today with our kids um, and then bump into you 10 years later and t- tell you yeah. about how great it is and we're still loving it just like that family did. You know, I think the, the, the most wonderful thing that you a family could do is just it's once a day um, each person in the family unit just talk about three things they're grateful for person, place, or thing. It does not matter what it is. It could be a pillow. It could be a chair. It could be the pee that fell on the floor because you didn't want to eat it. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. Um, it could be the places you've been. It could be the person you're sitting next to. It's There's zero judgment. It just is start with that. And then as the, the conversation um, on a daily basis continues, um, then start to dip a dip, dip a bit deeper into why you're grateful for that. So first of all, is to look for it. And then the second thing is to take it in to go, you know, um, one of the things I love with doing it with the children in my preschool, for example, is when they say, so I'm grateful for my mum because she gives me hugs. Grateful for my dad because he took me bike riding and I now can do it by myself. I mean, these are things that are deep, psychologically rooted memories that are going to be life-changing for these children. And what we know is when they can articulate it, it, the the neurons in their brain are just going, you know, creating those pathways of health and wellness and well-being that is just like, you know, um, outstanding. So it's just saying, oh, so, you know, um, they say, oh, I'm grateful for you. So what what is it today that you're grateful for? Don't be bashful about it. Just, you know, and and hopefully after a while, they'll start to say, I'm grateful for you, mum, because I love my, I love the dinner. Um, thank you for cooking that for us, you know. Um, do it when they're in the bath. If that doesn't work, you know, or if, you, you know, if mealtimes are a bit, um, or at bedtime. But the, the other piece of the puzzle is creating gratitude, a, a place to record that information. So it could be a jar, could be a box, could be, um, you know, a, a book, a, a diary, whatever it is. But And then uh, once a month, go back and look and talk about the things that you were grateful for. I remember you were grateful for winning the soccer game or remember that you were grateful for having your birthday and, and brings back all those, the flood of all those memories. And, you know, it, it does wonders to, to our sense of connectedness. It does wonders to our sense of, you know, who we are, our sense of self, our agency, and it changes us right through to our bone marrow. I think that's the stuff I love about the, the research that I've been really dipping into. It changes our immune so the more grateful we have the healthier we are literally our blood is condition is better than it's ever been just by being grateful for something three things a day and i know people get a bit like oh well where do we start so a good one little like if it's okay but i wrote a book um called the great gratitude surprise so if you've got somebody who's in primary school um that you can buy that book um it's a from the playing with gratitude project which is a well-being project which we've now got about three thousand children teachers and families involved in across australia so it's just pretty cool but at the back of the book um is a whole bucket load of well-being and gratitude ideas so you you then can just go straight to the back of the book but the story itself is an experience that's um some children and a family did through the project, through our research project, and that's actually uh, the story. So you can actually do what the story um, uh, is about uh, yourself and family. And that's a great thing. And basically it's the idea where you grab a, a, um, a chest and you fill it full of things that you're grateful for and then you hide it. Um, and then, you know, 
um, year later, go back, revisit it. What did you write? Why did you put them in there? Talk about that, refill it, you know, a bit of a time capsule type experience. Um, but it's uh, it was, it, that story was out of the project. Um, that was one of the ones that really stood out um, where a whole family was just like really changed. And I just thought, oh, I can't keep that a secret. We need to share that. Oh, it's just, and I mean, it's just there on the website. So, and the Playing with Gratitude website. So, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun place. It's a fun story and full of ideas on how to very practically um, get that um, gratitude into action. Yeah. And then the last piece, if I, if I can. So, once you've looked for it, once you've taken it in, and you've talked about why, then go and do something with that feeling and give that gratitude to somebody else. So, oh, okay. So step me through that. So using, uh, we'll use one of your uh, recipes. So one of the mm-hmm. things we, we do is we we make your crunchy oat cookies, which uh-huh. are super delicious. The Anzac biscuit ones. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then we fill a plate mm-hmm. and we then go and take that full plate to our neighbours, our friends, family, and tell them why we're giving them the plate, which is why we're grateful for about that family or about that And, of course, they then go, oh, thanks. And then on the plate it just says what we've done, why we've done it, and to then fill the plate and give it to somebody else. Um, so it then keeps rolling on. But, of course, once they have the um, the cookies, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so delicious. <laughs> we go, yes, here's the, here's the web address. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Make it your damn self next time. But it's wonderful. It's, so it's just one, it's a very simple thing. But we go and honestly, the family's just like, and our friends are like, oh my gosh, thank you for taking the time to do that. And not only is it beautiful in emotionally and socially, but it's also beautiful for our, and nourishing for our bodies, you know, and I just love that. So oh, yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, there's a science around gifting and how good that, you know, feels yeah. and yeah. Uh, the ramifications of it. And what I love is you've just not just had a thought, but you've then turned it into a random act of kindness. And that's the kind of stuff that then just sends ripples of positive energy far further than than your dinner table or you know chat at the bath 100 and i think the thing that um uh, the thing that i love for the family that I was mentioning um earlier was that those girls the foundation of their life and those form forming years it's it's gratitude is a key piece to their family that's what they'll remember and then what we know um, around the human development is that those early years, the emotions that are attached, that they, they, they move us and they form us and they shape us as we grow into teenagers and young adults. And so by having those right pieces of the puzzle there, um, I mean, we can keep building them in across life, but we know in those early years when we put those right pieces of the puzzle in, they form and they transform us as we grow and we become stronger and healthier and and, and, and um, older and more mature human beings. Mm. Thanks, Rod. Gosh, so many nuggets in this conversation. Uh, my favourite things I've taken from it is to meet big emotions where they're at rather than try and travel away from them as soon as possible, uh, to step our kids through from the stressed, sad, angry through to the resolved so that they actually start to see how you do it so that they can actually learn how to do it for themselves. And then the family gratitude practice and gratitude with action attached. 100%.
Yeah. Nice. Great listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. I like to think I'm a good student. <laughs> I do like to think that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm very excited to share that book, um, the research project that Macquarie has with that amazing course. And then of course, your excellent Facebook group and, uh, and let people connect with your work. Thanks so much for your time and amazing knowledge. It's been a pleasure and always great to have a conversation with you. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at lowtoxlife or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at lowtoxlife. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lowtox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.